0: Cutting through an overload of information to get to the heart of the story, this is The Point.
1: On August the 2nd, the U.S. Speaker of the House of Representatives, Nancy Pelosi, sneaked into Taiwan, becoming the first U.S. Speaker to visit the island in 25 years. The trip has drawn concerted criticism around the world for her reckless, high-profile and unnecessary provocation at a time where relations between China and the U.S. were already at an all-time low. She touts the trip as a victory for democracy, but in the great democratic country she came from, Things don't look too pretty. The economy is getting worse by the day. People are getting killed in the streets due to rampant gun violence. And women are denied their rights over their own body. Things are bad even in her own home. California has had more than 90,000 COVID-19 deaths. And another emergency over monkeypox virus was just announced. Yet the speaker left that mess for a foreign trip. Why is that? What kind of politician has she been? Welcome to this special production brought to you by The Point with me, Lu Xin, coming to you from Beijing. Today, we'll take a look back into the political life of Nancy Pelosi, a vain, opportunistic politician who is out there only for herself. Nancy Pelosi was born into a family of Italian immigrants. She was the only daughter and the youngest of seven children. Pelosi's father, Thomas D'Alessandro Jr., was a longtime mayor of Baltimore, Maryland, and her mother was his political organizer. Growing up in a political family, she was steeped in a culture that can be described as machine politics in the East. Politicians there get things done with the single go of getting votes. The word machine comes from the ability to turn out the votes needed to get its members elected, and the process becomes a routine, reliable, and even literally mechanical. Nancy Pelosi grew up with that machine, turning around her 24-7. And after she became a politician herself, she became the embodiment of it.
2: The ends justify the means uh, for all the t- everything that she does. It's a question of what she wants to get done and what is necessary to g- get it done. So it's very transactional in nature, and that's what she has become.
0: Uh, Nancy Pelosi has a reputation, uh, you know, since 1989, if not earlier, has been very, very critical, very, very harsh on China. She made her career uh, when she was a congresswoman uh, from San Francisco by criticizing China, attacking China. Secondly, there are some interest groups, certainly back up here. This could be a military industrial compound uh, in the United States. They, they want to enhance the military tensions and
1: actually can sell weapons. One outcome of this culture of transactional politics is that Nancy Pelosi knows how to use power as a weapon to get what she wants through hypocrisy or multi-standards. Truth doesn't really matter. It's how you frame the story the way you want it, even by lying, and still to be able to get away with it. She always prides herself on being a champion of human rights, but turned a blind eye when the U.S. was exposed to have been using torture while interrogating terrorism suspects. Waterboarding is a technique to use a wet cloth to cover the face and breathing passages of a captive, causing the person to experience the sensation of drowning. One prisoner by the name of Abu Zubaydah told the world he was put through the barbaric torture 83 times in one month alone in August 2002. Records show that one year after 9-11 terrorist attacks, the CIA briefed Pelosi together with other senior congressional members extensively on the matter. She was said to be one of the first members of Congress to be informed. But Pelosi repeatedly denied she knew that waterboarding was being employed, even claiming that the CIA lied to Congress. We also now know that techniques, including waterboarding, had already been employed and that those briefing me in September 2002 gave me inaccurate and incomplete information. Former CIA director Leon Panetta disputed Pelosi's account. Another senior congress member who sat through the same briefings called her claims slack drawing in an opinion piece on Washington Post. It was not until 2009 when she admitted for the first time that she knew by early 2003 that the CIA had subjected detainees to waterboarding. According to the New York Times, she claimed she saw little recourse to challenge the practice except by achieving democratic control of Congress and the White House.
2: Quite frankly, I mean, it's a human values that she always liked, American values, which she equates with human rights. Uh, she's completely blind to any kind of other system. She's an American exceptionalist. That means that anything America does to maintain its power and further this idea that the world will fit in one box, that it'll be liberal, democratic capitalism for all nations on earth, that's where her moral blindness comes.
1: On the case of Julian Assange, no records can be found that she spoke out for his human rights and freedom. She got riots in Hong Kong, a beautiful sight to behold, but riots on Capitol Hill, heartbreaking. Pelosi preached democracy for Hong Kong, but never uttered a word about the UK's colonial suppressions there. Nancy Pelosi has proved to the world how she is able and willing to take moral shortcuts in order to score political points, personal gains or even convenience. She attacked former President Donald Trump for his incompetence in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, even calling the virus the Trump virus. But she would break social distancing rules simply to have her own hair done. But these are nothing compared to other gains she could pocket by gaming the system. Nancy Pelosi's husband Paul Pelosi has been nicknamed God of stocks in the U.S. Congress by many here in China. A series of stock investments at the right time have caused many to suspect insider trading by the Pelosi's. In December 2021, Paul Pelosi bought a million-dollar worth of Tesla stocks. A little more than a month later, President Joe Biden signed an executive order directing federal officials to transition government fleets to clean and zero-emission vehicles. As the nation's highest legislator and a champion for climate change, how convincing is Pelosi when she says she had no prior knowledge of Biden's plan? In May this year, Paul Pelosi scooped up another million Amazon stocks months before the U.S. Department of Defense announced to scrap a deal with Microsoft on cloud computing. Similar operations were made with Apple, Walt Disney, Alphabet and other stocks. The Pelosi's have a net worth in the hundreds of millions of dollars, making her one of the richest members of Congress. And the vast majority of their wealth comes from stocks, options and investments made by her husband, with an incredible average return of stocks and options of 56%. When suspected of insider trading, Pelosi has repeatedly said that she has nothing to do with these transactions.
2: And there's more than enough smoke to know that there's a fire here. You cannot be that lucky consecutively. And especially given uh, the position of your wife, whether he heard it from her or heard it from people around her, it doesn't matter, she is compromised. In these types of things, she should have asked him to refrain from investing in stocks where it would be politically sensitive to her. That would be the moral value thing to do. But she didn't do it.
1: In June this year, her husband bought shares of the chipmaker Nvidia but sold them right before the US passed the so-called Chip Plus bill to boost the US semiconductor industry. According to Nancy Pelosi's deputy chief of staff, Paul Pelosi decided to sell the shares at a loss rather than allow the misinformation in the press regarding this trade to continue. The self-inflicted loss failed to appease the critics who called this a show. Before making her infamous trip to Taiwan, she was asked about whether she was abusing power for financial gains. She again flatly denied before hurrying from the podium. This is obviously not a favorite topic. No, absolutely not. Okay, Thank thank you. Upon her return from Taiwan, the U.S. House of Representatives is expected to unveil a bill to ban stock trading for lawmakers. When asked whether she would support a ban on stock trading, she refused. We are a free market economy, she said. They should be able to participate in that. This was one of the most disappointing, and and maybe to put it even less politely, disgraceful comments uh, and, and, and views I have heard espoused on this issue Uh, we have insider trading laws for a reason this undermines every bit of trust it goes to every worst expectation of corruption and it's not even expectation it's real A recent poll showed that three-quarters of Americans say members of Congress should not trade stocks while serving in Congress. For Pelosi, who's supposed to represent the people who elected her, to get so rich while serving seems not to be a strange idea. In fact, personal gains never seem a taboo for her. A lot of what she has done or said seems just about herself, other than overall interest of the people or the nation. For her, vanity comes first. In February 2020, Pelosi ripped then-President Donald Trump's State of the Union speech into pieces right after he delivered it. Even CNN, the liberal-leaning channel, called this unprecedented, aggressively rude and unapologetically meant to rile up her base. It was divisive but effective. And this was not the only time she stole the spotlight by being theatrical. Another example of a penchant for political vanity is her decades-long bias on China. Former CNN Beijing bureau chief Mike Chenoy described her as someone who has a penchant for high-profile gestures designed to poke China's communist rulers in the eye, regardless of consequences. And her latest trip to Taiwan was just that.
0: I'll be frank about it. She just wants to poke China in the
1: eye she is going to lose the speakership position most likely at the end of this year after the midterm elections if i understand correctly she anyway even if they do win she will be stepping aside to have a next generation from the democratic side but anyway the point is i think she the, the democrats will not just lose they will be hammered in the in the in in the house not in the senate and therefore her chance to ever come as a speaker to. To to Taiwan, she could come as a congresswoman as as part of a codel, but as speaker will will have evaporated, and I think that is essentially what she's trying to get at to poke China in the eye when she can. Since the beginning of 2022 Pelosi has been contemplating a visit to Taiwan in April she had to cancel the trip last minute due to COVID-19 and in September she'd be busy getting her members re-elected and elected. So before the end of this year this was the last window of opportunity to put on this show and go down in history as the most powerful woman who visited Taiwan in defiance of China in the name of so-called democracy. It would also conveniently deviate Attention from the scandals troubling her at home by allowing Pelosi to throw her weight uh, into this regional issue. It's like United States throwing a 500-pound gorilla to the cross-strait issue and very clearly become an intervening factor of what the people and leadership across Taiwan Strait should decide.
0: I would call her troublemaker in chief uh, in the world because she doesn't care about the fundamental interests of the people of Taiwan. She doesn't care uh, about the prospect and the uh, commitment for the uh, The reunification of the two sides of the Taiwan Mm -hmm. Strait, because after all, we are all Chinese Mm -hmm. on both sides
2: of the Taiwan Strait. Public relations card that could be used by the United States to try to bring condemnation onto China, because China feels, and the U.S. has accepted, that Taiwan is part of China, but now they're trying to rewrite history, and Nancy Pelosi, in a combination of ego and American exceptionalism, selective values, is going along with that.
1: After she sneaked out of the island, the people of Taiwan have spoken. A poll conducted the next day with 13,000 respondents showed over three-fourths of people have no confidence in her promise to protect the so-called democracy in Taiwan. Nancy Pelosi may be exiting from the post of House Speaker very soon. When she looks back, she will have little to claim as a political legacy. On issues which she felt strongly, such as guns and abortion rights, little progress has been made under her tenure. She did pull off the Taiwan gimmick, but that will not solve any domestic woes that plague the American people, but rather quite the opposite. But Nancy Pelosi seemed not to care about the overall interest of the American people and nation. She seems to care more about her own legacy and her own pocket. The French king Louis XV had an expression, «Après moi, le déluge», meaning «after me, the déluge». It's an attitude of indifference towards whatever happens after one's gone. Pelosi truly embodies that spirit. Only her personal legacy and wealth matter, or else be damned.
0: Dunhuang, situated along the ancient Silk Road where fine arts and divine beliefs merged with the natural world. It's where the East and West interacted and where the world's largest Buddhist art gallery still fascinates and amazes people today. A place where stories of life and death, love and hatred, passion and desire, faith and sacrifice, have been generated and told for 2,000 years. Buckle up for our new podcast, Why We Love Dunhuang. The one and only podcast that can take you to the fantasy world of Dunhuang and beyond through our audio tour. Listen and subscribe for free on major podcast platforms. Why we love Dunhuang? You will have your answers. Making room for all opinions and seeing events from more than one side. This is The Point.
1: Mass shootings and gun violence seem to have become a part of life in the United States. So far this year, there have been over 360 mass shootings reported and some 25,000 people who've died due to any form of gun violence, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Gun purchases are also soaring, despite Americans already earning more guns than their population. Following a series of shootings this summer, U.S. President Joe Biden signed into law of uh, what some call one of the most significant gun control bills over the past 30 years, but others say is simply not enough. How to understand the root causes around gun control in America? What more has to be done? Welcome to a special series focusing on America's three big society woes. Joining me today from Williamsburg, Virginia, is Dr. Robert Spitzer, Distinguished Service Professor and Emeritus from Political Science Department at the State University of New York College of, at Cortland. From Beijing, with. To- Gao, Chair Professor at Sucho University and from Philadelphia, Brandon Blackburn-Dwyer, President of the consulting firm Grasshopper Strategies. Gentlemen, welcome to the point. Dr. Spitzer, let me go first to you. As we know, so far this year, the U.S. has recorded over 25,000 deaths um, deaths of uh, gun violence. That's including uh, gun violence, deaths of all causes and uh, over 350 mass shootings, over 3,000 children and teenagers have been killed or injured as a result of gun violence. What explains the quickly worsening situation on gun violence in the United States? Is there a gap between these numbers and uh, people's experience when living there?
3: Well, there are several factors that explain this rise in gun violence in America. The backdrop to this is the fact that for about almost the last 30 years, crime in every category, including violent crime and gun crime, has been gradually declining. But in the last few years, it started to increase. And that happened partly around the pandemic period, uh, even though people were not out on the streets, people were home more often. There was a rise in domestic violence, a rise in economic insecurity, in fear. There have been uh, demonstrations around the country in the last few years and those have been uh, hyped in a way to scare people to some degree. And we have seen, as you're suggesting, a a large number of Americans going out and buying guns and increasing the total number of guns. And of course you can't have gun violence without firearms. And we're a nation that owns a great many firearms firearms anyway, but this recent increase in firearm uh, circulation in the country has predictably led to the the count that you just described of gun suicides, gun homicides, and then accidental deaths from guns. And we've also seen an increase in mass shootings. And as terrible as they are, it's important to point out that mass shootings represent a very small proportion of all gun uh, deaths every year, about 1% it's a serious problem and there's much more that can be done and congress and the president did take a step to address this problem
1: let's take a look at uh, the step that the congress took victor If you agree with uh, the president, uh, if you agree with uh, Dr. Spitzer's uh, laying out of the background of the context of the situation, and also about this bill, uh, the bill expands background checks on people between ages of 18 and 21 seeking to buy a gun. It includes incentives for states to pass so called red flag laws that allow groups to petition courts to remove weapons from people deemed a threat to themselves or others, it also expands an existing law that prevents people convicted of domestic abuse from owning a gun to include dating partners rather than just spouses or former spouses. Do you think these will significantly reduce gun violence effectively?
0: Well, first of all, this bill to expand uh, uh, background checks uh, for Uh, gun buyers is a necessary step, but it is definitely not sufficient. Uh, At best, I'm afraid, it is whitewashing the root causes of the gun violence in the United States. I think the United States really stands out not only among developed countries, but throughout the world in terms of the gun violence, and even up to today, the United States uh, government agencies, federal government, state governments, you name it, still refuse to address the fundamental causes of gun violence, which has resulted in so many lives being taken away in the United States. In a sense, the worst enemy of the United States do not exist outside of the United States. They exist inside the United States.
1: So what do you think are or is the biggest root cause? Well,
0: well, I think if we go back all the way to 1791, when the Second Amendment was uh, enacted, Uh, we need to ask one fundamental question. At that time, who could really own a gun? It's not the uh, African-Americans, they were enslaved. And uh, they were not uh, American Indians. Uh, They were the enemies to be wiped out. And eventually genocide was committed to eliminate the American Indians. They probably were not even uh, females because the females in the United States at that time did not have guns. So you are talking about a small group of white male who owned guns at that time. And they own guns for what purposes? They own guns to kill the American Indians and enslave the Afro-Americans, and then to deprive the American ladies of their political rights. This is the real root cause of the gun violence in the United States. And I'm very sorry that for more than 200 years, this origin of the gun violence in the United States has not been fully addressed. And the legacy is spreading out like wildfire, because right now, more people can own guns in the United States. And those who commit gun violence with guns, they own or they don't own, even include teenagers or even younger people. So you are talking about a country owning guns, committing violence taking away people's lives, and you are talking about really protecting the human rights of the American people without life or with your life to be wantonly taken away. What are the human rights you are talking about?
1: I mean, the the Constitution was drafted hundreds of years ago, but uh, the situation keeps changing, right? Um, New circumstances, economy is different, society is different, the definition of rights different, challenges are different. Uh, How come the uh, American system has not been able to address the changing challenges and always use that uh, you know that piece of stone set many many decades ago to guide how you behave today
0: well first of all i think well, uh, in the, the past- uh, yeah go ahead victor please uh, yeah first of all i think uh, the constitutional uh, grant of right to uh, citizens to own guns uh, was uh, based on the wrong premise to start with back in the uh, 19th century and now we are in the 21st century and the world we are living in is completely different. The United States is also very, very different compared with more than 200 years ago. And talking about the guns, you are not only talking about the shotguns, you are talking about automatic rifles, which are more lethal than anything that the constitutional uh, drafters uh, could have imagined more than 200 years ago. And I think there are lots of vested interests in the United States who want to Mm. protect their own provincial interests, rather than to give uh, consideration to the overall interests of the whole nation in the United States. And as a result, Innocent people lose their life.
1: Yeah, Dr. Spitzer. Really briefly, please. What did you wanted to add? Thirty seconds, please. Oh
3: um, well I was just going to make the point that the uh, historically the Constitution has been adapted to changing circumstances but there is a prevailing conservative philosophy that has a majority of the US Supreme Court that argues for originalism which to me is a bankrupt concept that says indeed that you need to look back 200 years to decide how to solve contemporary present problems and it is an utterly inadequate a way to address contemporary right. problems.
1: And with that, we come to the end of uh, this edition of The Point with me, Lu Xin. As always, you can follow me on Facebook and Twitter using the handle Lu in Beijing. You've got The Point.
4: Welcome to My Stories of Chinese Characters Season 2. I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, We will travel to different destinations and experience the different sceneries throughout the year. This season, we will taste delicious foods. Delicious, how sure. Feel the delicacy of Chinese silk. Some people say that this is the world's first computer, because each one of these is an instruction. And enjoy the local architectures. Yes, it's a big house. Chuan Zhou's, We will feel a sense of camaraderie on the slow train and feel the excitement of the snow yes! Yes! Yeah. Yes! yes! I'm Uncle Han Zi. This season, we will take you to see a different China from the perspective of Chinese characters. Meet us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other major podcast platforms.